Today's sponsor is Headspace. You slept every night of your life, so you should be pretty good at it by now, right? Unfortunately, many of us don't get the quality sleep that we need and could use a little bit of help, and that's where Headspace has got you covered. It's your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. And while they have meditations devoted to helping you reduce stress and increase your overall sense of well-being, they have an entire library of sleep stories, sleep music, and other sleep sounds that can help you get the quality sleep you desperately need. And for busy lifestyles, they have what's called wind downs. It's meditations and breathing exercises that are as short as three minutes so they can fit into anybody's schedule. I personally use Headspace myself. I've tried out some of the sleep stuff. It actually works. Like to me, it actually makes a difference. So Headspace, it's backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews. That's a lot. And over 60 million downloads. Try it today for free and start sleeping soundly. So right now, our listeners get 30% off Headspace's entire library of meditations. Just go to headspace.com slash sleep pod for 30% off your subscription, but only until May 12th. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash sleep pod today. This is the Smart Passive Income Podcast with Pat Flynn, session number 190. Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, where it's all about working hard now so you can sit back and reap the benefits later. And now your host, he prefers the aisle seat over the window seat, Pat Flynn. What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me today in session 190 of the SPI podcast. It's December 2nd, 2015, closing in on the end of the year here. We are actually uh, just four days from my 33rd birthday, which is pretty cool. And not only that, we have a great guest on today who has been highly requested from several, several people in the SPI community on Twitter, on Facebook. Uh, I've even gotten private messages to, to have this person on the show, and I'm so happy to have him on because his content is amazing. This is Brian Harris from videofruit.com, somebody who I've been uh, really tuning into lately. He, he's probably one of the only bloggers that I actually consistently read his content because it's always, it's, it's just so easy to follow, but so mind-blowing in terms of the results you can get from everything he shares. And the same thing from this episode too. After I conducted this episode, I just had to get Brian back on a phone call again to talk about what I was doing with the upcoming book launch that I have because Brian's a smart guy and you'll, you'll hear it very down to earth. He has a Southern accent and I love that too, of course. And uh, so why don't we just stop talking and get right into the interview. This is Brian Harris from videofruit.com. He's gonna give us a lot of step-by-step formulas and uh, stuff that's gonna help you with product creation, getting more email subscribers and really validating these things you're gonna do before you actually spend time, money, and effort doing it, which aligns perfectly with the book that I have coming out next month. So here he is, Brian Harris from videofruit.com. What's up, everybody? I'm here with Brian Harris from videofruit.com. Brian, welcome to the SPA podcast. How are you? Hey, thanks for having me on, Pat. It's a ple- it's an honor and a pleasure to be here. <laughs> I appreciate that. You know, a lot of people were really excited to know that you're coming on the show because people are in love with you and what you do. They are so engaged with you and your content. We're going to talk more about that later. But so you have the site at videofruit.com. I want to know the story before videofruit.com. What it was Brian Harris doing, uh, you know, back in the day? <laughs> Oh man, it's a winding journey for sure. I well, think take like, me through it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think like a lot of entrepreneurial type of people, um, I tried to start a ton of different businesses. Me and my brother had a baseball card shop out of our bedroom window when we were seven years old and got wow. ripped off within the first hour of being opened. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, anywhere, anything from computer businesses or preparing computers to starting websites in high school and 
just everything in between. Back, I guess, in 2008, started my recent uh, foray back into the online world. So I was uh, working in the lumber industry, actually, down in Mobile, Alabama, where I'm from. Mm. I'm sure you can't tell from my accent that I was from the <laughs> South at all. But I was down working in the lumber industry, and I got married, and my wife moved to Mobile. And that's right about the time the economy completely tanked. Uh, and if you're selling lumber that people use when they build houses, mm. the economy tanks and nobody's building houses, you don't have much work. Yeah, this I know coming from the architecture industry around yeah, that time exactly. too. And actually, we were really funny. We were building a restaurant in Mobile um, really? at the time when all this happened, quite interestingly oh, cool. enough. What was the name? Do you remember? Uh, it, was, it was a P.F. Chang's restaurant. Oh, yeah, nice. Which cool. may have continued after that time, but I, I know at the time it got pulled back. But anyway, just kind of a random fact. Yeah, cool. Uh, so my wife moved to Mobile. She couldn't. She was in the healthcare field. She couldn't find anything. Mm-hmm. So uh, we wound up moving back to Nashville, where we live now, where she lived previously. Um, and I moved, and I'd been working in outside sales for the previous seven or eight years, uh, mostly in the construction world. And there were no jobs there to be had. So I just started trying to figure out how to make money online, which took me quite a long time to figure out. Um, but I started with the eBay business. I downloaded an ebook from a guy named Skip McGrath which I haven't even thought about him in a very long time. But anyway, so I downloaded this ebook that taught you how to make um, how to make money by buying stuff at yard sales. So me and my wife, we paid 10 bucks for the ebook. We go to a yard sale the next weekend. And the first yard sale we go to, they had this electronic, old, old school thing from the 60s. It was this tube amplifier. And there were three of these boxes stacked on top of each other. I don't even know what they did. Mm-hmm. But I remember from that ebook that there was a picture of something similar to this. So I went over to the lady that ran the yard sale and said, how much for this? And she said, $5. And I said, sold. <laughs> so we picked it up, put it on an eBay, and it sold for $300. And wow. that was just like mind blown. Mm-hmm. Crazy, crazy stuff. So for about a year and a half, we did eBay stuff. We wow. sold, bought and sold and tried to find uh, different things. And we ended up uh, buying and selling a lot of used restaurant equipment. Long story short, we wound up getting kicked off eBay, which taught me a pivotal lesson about building platforms, uh, which we'll get to in a second. But we had a various amount of things happen and PayPal froze our account. They froze over $20,000 in our account that we couldn't get to, couldn't access for six months before wow. they released it. Uh, so I immediately went to just complete panic mode of, all right, I have all this money sitting there, uh, some of it belonging to other people, and I can't do anything. I built my entire business on somebody else's platform. And that was just a very eye-opening thing for me. It was completely draining uh, just to have a business that's going pretty well to just overnight completely be shut down uh, and to fail. And for the next two or three years, I was just in entrepreneurial kind of wasteland recovery mode of I, I just didn't have the energy it took to do a new thing. And mm-hmm. I didn't know what to do. I knew how to buy and, stuff, buy and sell stuff on eBay, uh, but didn't know how to do stuff like you were doing and stuff like Noah Kagan and Andrew Warner and just all these guys that are out there doing this stuff. I just couldn't figure out the thing that they were doing that, that I wasn't. Fast forward a couple of years, I'm working in, in a corporate job, working in a sales job at an engineering company and was just burnt out. As two or three years later, I uh, was kind of over my entrepreneurial recovery mode <laughs> and mm. was just ready to do something else. So I read a Tim Ferriss article of all places, an article he posted, I think it was 2012, from a guy named Chad Moretta. And the title of the article was How to Build an App Empire or something to that effect. I remember that post. Yeah, so I read that post. I'm sitting in my cubicle and uh, another guy that worked there, he was a little higher up in the company, walked in and we were both pretty disenfranchised where we were at. Mm-hmm. 
And I said, man, we got to just like, we, we read this post and it's basically doing what I used to do in construction. It's just, you kind of draw the blueprint up and then give it to some contractors and let them build your house, except you do it with apps. Mm-hmm. So I knew that process was familiar with it. And when I read that article, it was just a light bulb moment of creation of how to create this stuff without being an expert programmer, which you've had people on before that have talked about that. But for me, that was just a big revelation point. So me and that friend went together and we built a couple apps, launched them three or four months later. And they completely bombed. <laughs> and I was right back to where I started of, all right, I'm trying to build this thing. I'm trying to find this product of some sort. And I'm trying to rely on somebody else's platform to sell it for me. So like the, the typical entrepreneurial cycle is you have a good idea. So I had the eBay idea or I had the idea for these apps. And you go into your cave for six months and you build the thing. And you don't tell anybody about it because you don't want anybody to steal your idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you come out of the cave. You're loud and you're proud and you go share it on Facebook everywhere. And then you realize that nobody actually wants that thing at all. So I'd been through that cycle from seven years old to the time we launched those two apps. And after building those, pouring just everything we had into it, pouring a couple thousand dollars into them and only making four or $500 back over the course of several months – was kind of disenfranchised again. And that's kind of where Video Fruit came from. I was just at the point where I had to figure out what the other successful people were doing that I wasn't. And so I just started running hundreds of marketing experiments. And I read a book by Nathan Berry called Authority. And in that book, he talked about the concept of learning out loud of, um, he told a story, and I might get the details of this wrong, but you'll get the gist of it. He told a story of him and another designer who started working, I think it was in 08, 09, started working at their craft at about the same time. They were new to, new to web design and doing all this stuff. And they started, um, the other guy, as he's learned, he would teach what he was learning. So he would learn this new Photoshop technique and he would write a blog post about it. He would learn this new InDesign thing and he would shoot a quick video about it. Mm-hmm. And Nathan wouldn't. Nathan would just work and hone his craft and get better and better and better and become a freelancer and work for these people and work for this job and, and kind of move up the food chain, but not talk about what he was doing as, as he was doing it. The other guy talked about it as he was doing it. Fast forward a year or two through the same exact trajectory, same exact skill set, equivalent production value. And the other guy winds up writing this book. I think it was Sketching with CSS. And he launches this book and does multiple thousands of dollars. I think it was over $20,000 in sales by just talking, by building an audience, by teaching out loud, learning out loud and teaching what he was doing and then launching this book. And that for me was a light bulb moment. That was when I realized and started testing the idea of how do I, instead of coming up with an idea and trying to find customers for the idea, how do I get a group of people who are eagerly awaiting me to release something? How do I find customers and then give them a product instead of coming up with an idea for a product and then trying to find customers for it. And that led me to building email list, which is my current focus. Mm -hmm. Kind of what I specialize in is kind of like, you know, when Apple releases the new iPhone, they have a line of people waiting outside of Best Buy. Yeah. That's what an email list is. It's a group of people sitting there waiting for you just to open the doors and give them a product that relates to them. And that for me has been my gigantic discovery, which people have known about for a very long time. So this is nothing, nothing special to me. But for <laughs> me, this was something that building that list and then creating a product that serves that list is an incredibly repeatable, reliable, almost completely risk-free way of building a business that works nearly every time if you do it right. 
Right. Uh, so that's been, I guess, the very, maybe slightly long-winded version of Video Fruit. No, I love it. I love it. And in terms of building your audience, how are you able to do that? Because I think it's obviously much easier said than done to do this. When you started Video Fruit and were focusing on building your email list, how were you able to do that? And how long until you were able to, you know, see the fruits of your labor? Yeah, so there's kind of three different phases of this. You have growing your audience, growing your email list, getting it to at least a thousand subscribers. And then you have which we'll, we'll talk about in a second. Then we'll have creating the product that serves that list. And not just creating it, but using that list to find out what to create, validating that they want that thing, building it. And then the third phase, which is launching to that list. So I, at every step along my journey, have just went to straight to launching mode. Mm-hmm. Create the thing and launch it. Create the thing and launch it. And maybe something will just magically happen. So the key part is growing that list first. So Why a thousand? A thousand. I have found, and this is, um, it is somewhat relative to the industry you're in. Um, but like, let me give you an example. There's a guy who came through a course. I teach a course on how to build email lists uh, called Get 10,000 Subscribers. He came through, he bought the course in May. Uh, 45 days later, had built a list to 350 subscribers. So a, kind of a small list, mm-hmm. but it was incredibly focused. So if you start with an incredibly focused list, you don't have to wait to 1,000. Most people have a kind of a vaguer idea of what they want, kind of like my path. Anyway, he builds a list of 350 subscribers, launches a product, and does $10,000 in sales within a week. And he built the product he built. Get this. His name is John Meese. Um, he built a product. It was a course on how to use Michael Hyatt's WordPress theme. Wow. So uh, you funny. can't get much more niche than that. 350 people that had purchased his product, he just went into the forums and started interacting with them and serving them and talking to them. That's so crazy. And, and send them back to a coming soon page where, hey, you have these problems with this WordPress theme. You can't figure out how to use it or you're a beginner or whatever. I'll teach you how to do it. Uh, and what's funny, his course is more expensive than the than the lower end <laughs> version of Michael's theme, which is just... Kind of I love that. That's funny. It almost reminds me of Joseph Michael, who was on the show before. Oh, yeah. The same, Scrivener same. coach. Um, learn Scrivener fast. Uh, yeah, I love that. I thought you would kind of put that number at a thousand because people hear that and they're like, oh, I'm too far away from that. Or some people are way ahead of that and they're like, wow, I maybe missed my chance. But, you know, I, I like the thousand number. I think it's smart to put a specific number on there, even though, like you said, you don't need that number. I, I And I, I was wondering if it was like an homage to Kevin Kelly and a thousand true fans. <laughs> it, it is nice to kind of uh, attach. Frameworks are kind of a whole different conversation, but coming up with a framework for your business is important. Yeah. And having different, where people can realize what steps they need to go through. But a thousand is a ballpark. If you start, there's kind of three different types of people that start businesses. One type of person has a very specific product in mind, which we kind of talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. And their problem is they have to build an audience before they can launch it. You have a second type of person who has a basic idea of what they want to do. Like, hey, I want to help. I was talking with a guy right before here doing a coaching call. And he um, he wants to help musicians be better at personal finance and getting gigs. Like he has a pretty specific idea of what he wants to do. Mm-hmm. He has no idea what he wants the product to be. And then the third type of person has, really doesn't know what they want to do at all. They just know they kind of want to do a block thing. Right, <laughs> so right. The, the people on the lower two versions of that, they need to have a bigger list because their list is going to be less concentrated. Somebody that starts with, I want to build a blog that's specifically about Michael Hyatt's WordPress theme and launch a course to them, they can have a smaller group of people because their subscribers are going to be much more targeted. The reasons they came to their list are much more targeted. So their dollar per subscriber is going to be a lot higher. But most people start in that middle phase of, hey, I kind of have an idea. I kind of want to talk about 
basket weaving or I want to talk about, um, you know, CrossFit for pregnant women or whatever your thing. You kind of have a general idea of what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. If so, then you need to get closer to that thousand mark before you're going to have a big enough sample size to truly validate that what you're building is good enough and is specific enough and is what your list actually wants. Right. And the, the list is the vehicle by which you would be able to ask your audience questions and really determine what that product is going to be to certain. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so you asked the question earlier about how do you build the list. One of my favorite ways to start kind of in that first 100 subscribers phase is just you have to get over the idea of asking people to join. So a lot of people just feel weird. Like they don't want to tell their mom about their new blog because what if it, what if I don't do it? Like they have all these reservations about asking. And before you can build an email list, you have to get comfortable, you have to get comfortable with actually asking people to join it. And the way I like to think about it is inviting people to join your list, not asking them to do something. You're inviting them to learn, to hear what you have to say. And that kind of adds a different connotation on it. So the first thing I like to do, if you have nothing, if you have no traffic, no anything, if you're in the other camp of people that have an existing site but have never focused on list building, there's a whole separate list of things you can do. But for somebody that's brand new starting out, the first thing you need to do is just make a list of 100 people. Go to your sent emails go to your Facebook page or your Facebook account and see what people you follow, your personal friends, your family. You want to get a, a hundred people on your list that may be interested in your topic, but are very interested in you. Because I call these people the eager sneezers. These are people that want to share what you're doing. Like my mom doesn't care about building an email list. She doesn't even know what that is. But there's a bunch of people in her networks that she knows that are actually interested in building a business and doing an entrepreneurial thing and building something on the side. And if I can get her to buy into what I'm doing, when she shares that, those people will join. So the first hundred people is all, you don't need a website. You don't need MailChimp. All you need is a, is a spreadsheet and to go hustle your butt off. Go mm-hmm. invite everybody you can find to join that list. And you can get your first 100 subscribers by the end of the week if you do that. Go to Facebook, go to Twitter, go to your email account, go to your contacts and invite everybody you know to your thing. Like, think about it like you're opening up a new store on the corner. Like, you have a florist and you're opening it. What would be the first thing you would do? You would go tell everybody you know about it because those referral networks and everybody they know, that's the, like, you're probably going to give your mom a discount and give her free flowers. But her friends that come, Mm -hmm. that's where your business comes from. So, think of your email list in the same way. Go invite everybody you know and then ask them to invite one person they know. So get the 100 people of your core people from your existing network and then go one step out and send them all an email and said, hey, do you have one friend that might be interested in this as well? If so, you know, give me their email address or send them an email and invite them to the list. I'd love to have them. After that, uh, that's kind of a, a very grassroots, like work your butt off for a week, really grind it out, invite people. After that, one of my favorite techniques is something I used in the very, very early days of Video Fruit. I call it the poster boy formula. So... If you go to the homepage of most any website, what do you see on there? You see testimonials. You see pictures of people that have had success with whatever product that website sells. So the number one most visited page on most every website is that page. It's the homepage. So if you could get on the homepage, you would get a lot of free traffic and a lot of free subscribers as a result. And all you have to do to get on the homepage is to be somebody's testimonial. So I did that in the early days. I I bought a course from Noah Kagan called Monthly 1K, which is a great course. Mm -hmm. And I just started reporting on the results I was getting from that course. So I would send Noah an email, say, hey, man, I'm really looking forward to joining this course. And I would join the course, send him an email. Man, I I made my first valor today. Thank you. Not looking for a response, not looking for anything out of him, but simply being a student that execute on what he teaches. 
that is so incredibly rare to have people that, t- that even pay for your advice and implement it and have good results from it, that the people that listen to what you're talking about, the people that listen to this podcast and go actually do the eager sneezers thing I just talked about of getting your first 100 subscribers mm-hmm. and emails Pat or emails me and says, hey man, I did that and I got 120 subscribers in the first week. That's awesome. Guess what? Like I'm going to feature you on my blog because like, yep. people that do that just don't exist. Like they're so rare. I want to talk about you. I want to share you. I want to promote you. So one of the first things you can do is make a list of five products you've bought recently. These can be books. They can be courses. They can be um, anything like that. Um, it can be a physical product. Five podcasts you listen to. Five blogs that you follow on a regular basis. So that's 15 different sites. Podcasts, blogs, and course or uh, products you've bought. And then write a short two or three sentence response to that person. So let's say you you downloaded Pat's book, ebook the smart ebooks the smart way, and you actually implemented that and you created your first ebook. That would be a product that you got from Pat. Write a short little testimonial to Pat and say, Pat, man, thank you very much for this. This was awesome. I actually implemented this and this is my ebook and it generated 500 email subscribers as a result. I just wanted to say thank you. Like Pat will respond to that email. I'm gonna try to fill I, up your email. No, no, you, you're. I mean. There's been a number of cases where people have downloaded that book, got a lot of great examples, and I've shared them multiple times. Kamanzi Constable, who was on my show, he, he was somebody who now has a, a career writing books thanks to ebooks a smart way. And I've talked about him so many times. There's a, a man named um, Antonio over at Real Men Real Style who downloaded my book and was able to generate over 100,000 leads from that. And I talk about him in presentations all the time, and people have found him through me. So you're absolutely right. So we've just given three different people shout outs on this podcast. And we just did it again. Thousands and thousands of listeners. <laughs> we just did it again. All because they were successful. Like I've told John's story everywhere I can go. And there's <laughs> other stories I tell as well. So be that. So make that list of 15 people. Write them a short little email. And one little trick you can do. So this is a trick to getting your email responded to by people that are extremely busy. Subscribe to their newsletter first. Like you should be doing that already if it's somebody you're actually following. Right. But instead of writing a cold email to them, reply to an email they've already sent you. So every week, I send an email out. Pat sends an email out about what he's the podcast or a blog post or something that's going on. Reply to that email and share the success uh, with him via that way. Because when that comes back to his inbox, it's not going to be you know a cold email subject line. It's going to be RE in the subject line of the email they just responded to. And that, I have found, gets a much higher open rate as opposed to just a cold email. So just one little trick there. Hmm. But the key isn't for you to ask for anything. You're not asking to be featured anywhere. You're not asking for anything. You're just simply reporting results back. And so this has worked wonders for me. I got emailed in the first two months. I didn't even have a blog. I had this really, really ugly website at the time. And I got emailed out to 750,000 people on AppSumo's email list, being a case study, full blog post case study. Wow. Used the same thing to, um, to build relationships with the guys at Lead Pages. I just started direct messaging Clay Collins with the results I was having with Lead Pages that I was building. And that resulted in me doing guest posts on their site, which has resulted in hundreds of email subscribers, being featured in every webinar they did last year, which produced hundreds of email subscribers. Not because I asked for anything, just because I shared results on a consistent basis with people that were teaching. So that's one way you can start building your email list. I like that. And that, that, that's how I've been able to hear your name everywhere is because of that strategy most likely. Yeah, and it's fun. Like it's really fun to go buy somebody's product and get results and they want to hear that. I want to hear that. I've replied to every email of somebody that's like sharing something they've actually done because there's so many emails of people asking questions they could easily find the answers to or they just haven't executed at all. And I want to help those people, but the people that are getting results are really fun to work with. And you'll find that if you just start. My challenge to you would be 
to pause the podcast. Well, maybe finish the podcast, but pause <laughs> the podcast, make your list of 15 and send, just send one email in the next five minutes, one email. And don't get caught up on what email to send it to. Don't, just whatever the quickest way to get it out. Maybe it's Twitter, maybe it's Facebook, but just tell one platform owner that teaches, tell them one thing they've done for you. Give them a result. And at, at the very least, it'll make you feel really good. It'll make them feel really good. Yeah. And at the very best, you'll get featured on their site. And, and it's going to work on in any niche. In, anywhere. Go Just type in five websites. Go to their homepages. Everybody has testimonials on their front page. And th- those are shared in many other different ways. They don't just, it doesn't, it won't always result in a homepage feature. It might result in them talking about you in a case study. It might be any number of things. Presentation, yep. In presentations, just get in the habit of sharing your success and that'll open up more doors than you can imagine. It'll introduce you to influencers that you would not be able to be introduced otherwise. Super sweet. I love that. And then in terms of coming up with a product idea, let's kind of move to the next step, I guess. Yeah, so the, the first phase would be get to 100 subscribers. And you can do that via the grassroots, invite people to your list. The next phase is getting to 1,000 subscribers. This requires a little more work. It takes about 90 days if you really hustle. Uh, you can use the poster board formula we just talked about. You can do a marketing giveaway. Is guest posting still useful? Yeah, so I use something called the expanded guest post. It's kind of like guest posting, but just with a little tweak on it. Um, which we can we can get into that if you want, but uh, the you have to look at your guest post as first of all being something that serves the audience to the person you're posting on. So let's back up a little. Let's zoom back out. Yeah. To for, to make guest posting effective, you need to come in it, uh, come at it with the question, who has the audience that I want? So if I'm let's just use me because I'm self centered, <laughs> and I know me. <laughs> uh, so I, I have a course. My product helps people build email lists. So who else has an audience of people that are interested or should be interested in building email lists? So I can make a list of people out, like what software out there, like Sumo Me or BuzzSumo or Optin Monster or Lead Pages. All those sites serve people who are trying to build email lists. Mm-hmm. All right, so I've identified some potential people that I could that I, that I just want their audience. Now the question is, how do I get them to tell their audience about me? Like that's really all marketing is at the very very basic form. Marketing is finding people that has your, your target audience and getting them to tell their audience about you. So think about it like billboards. That's all a billboard is. You pay for it, and then they have an audience of people that drive by it every day, and you pay to be in front of that audience. And as a result, hopefully you get customers. Mm. A Facebook ad, same thing. They have your target audience. If you use it correctly, you can pay them money, and you'll get part of their target audience to you as a result of it. Guest posting is the exact same thing, except you don't have to pay for it normally. Right. Uh, you find a group of, you find a site, let's say it's a lead pages and you're like, all right, I want to write, uh, I want to get in front of lead pages audience. So what's the best way I can do that? Uh, and if you decide guest posting is that way, which a lot of times it is, you can approach them. And the question I like to ask isn't how can I get subscribers from lead pages? It's how can I serve their audience the best? How can I, the question that helps me to figure out what type of content to write for them is if they invited me to speak at their conference, what would I talk about? Like, what would be the thing that I would have to talk about? Because you have a group of people that are lead pages audience, and you're there talking to them. What would that topic be? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can use a few tools to find that out. You can go to buzzsumo.com and see what lead pages' most popular posts are. So you can just, buzzsumo is a free-ish tool. You can just type in leadpages.net, hit enter, and it'll give you a list of all the popular posts on lead pages site. And then you can see, like, what topics has already been interesting to their audience. You could also look at their competitors. So you could go to, 
Oh, what's their what's their competitor's name? Optimized Press. You can type in their blog post, uh, their uh, website URL, and see what's been popular on their blog. S- very similar audience. And then write something that's better than anything that's ever been written on that topic. <laughs> right? Right. Uh, and part of that, so the little tweak you have to use is called the expanded guest post. You, at the end of the day, you first want to serve their audience. But second, it has to be a win for you too. You have to build your list as a result. Uh, so you want to tease inside of that post. You want to write a really great post, uh, but also go a step further at the very end and give them something called a content upgrade. This is something that takes the post to the next level. This is something that the way I like to look at creating content upgrades is something that helps them implement the first step of what you've just taught and yeah. give them that in exchange for their email address. So you put a link in the blog post and it sends them back to a landing page on your site or if they'll let you, you put a lead box inside of their blog post. And when they click that, they enter their email and they get that resource. And that resource can be a video tutorial with you, a Q&A session, a template, a, a checklist of the blog post, an implementable format where they can, instead of reading these 10,000 words, they can just go through this one-page checklist to implement anything that will help them help them implement that first step. But you don't give that away on the blog post. You get, make them give you an email address in exchange for that. And if you did a good enough job with the blog post, that'll be something people fall over themselves for. And it'll help you build your email list really quickly. I've seen, like I did a guest post on lead pages. It's been six months ago. And it was it produced over 500 email subscribers from one post. Yeah, I we we've had Clay on the show before a few times uh, actually, and Tim Page as well. And the lead magnets, the content upgrades, they're they're absolutely huge. Specifically, kind of taking that content to the next level, or kind of taking you know people are interested in that topic, so you can give them a little bit more. They're obviously going to be more than likely to follow through with that and be happy to be on your list. Yep, Clay is a master at that. That's where I first, he was doing that with lead pages where he was giving templates away. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, last, I don't know, it's been a year and a half ago now, I saw him doing that and was like, I got to do that same thing for blog posts. So I started using it and it's been the number one thing on my site that's built my email list. Uh, so you want to use that, use giveaways, use the poster board formula, use the expanded guest post. Those three things alone, just rinse and repeat for 90 days, will get you to a thousand subscribers. Now we're talking about how do you know what to, what product to create? This is kind of the cool part. Like I, if once you get to a thousand, this part is easy and it's fun. Yeah, I love versus this topic. something that's extremely stressful and you're worried about build it and they'll come and will they really come and all the stuff we talked about uh, in kind of my journey building up, which I'm sure many people have experienced the same thing. Mm-hmm. So building the product, if you've done this, if you've built your list of a thousand correctly, uh, building the product is fun. So what you need to do is just a process of analysis. You want to look back at the content you've created over those past ninety days. So I recommend during that 90-day period of getting to 1,000, answer one question a week and post it to your blog and send an email out to your list telling them to go to your blog and get the answer to the question. So that kind of produces a relationship with your list uh, where you build up that relationship. You're constantly communicating to them. You're keeping them warm. You're keeping them interested. They know who you are. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of that 90-day period, you've written you know, 12 or 13 blog posts answering the number one question people have on your topic. Now, creating the product is easy at that point. All you have to do is go to uh, go to your Google Analytics account and see what topics people have been the most interested in. So for me, I did this uh, in January of this year. Uh, I had written for. I've taken the very long path to this. There's a very much, <laughs> there's a quicker way to go. I just didn't know there was a process to go through. But it took me about a year and a half to realize, hey, I probably need to create a flagship product of some sort. Uh, so that process for me was looking at my Google Analytics account seeing what blog posts, look at my top 10 or 15 blog posts and categorizing them. So there were three categories for me. 
There was how to build an email list. I talked about that a lot. Mm-hmm. I talked about sales a lot. Like, how do you actually sell stuff? And the third one, what was the third one? Maybe like funnels or something. I forget what the third one was now. But I took my traffic numbers, which, you know, weren't. I don't have a crazy amount of traffic by any means at all. Um, and I took my opt-in numbers. So for a lot of those blog posts, I'd created these content upgrades, these little PDFs or videos or whatever to give away. Mm-hmm. So I added just my traffic numbers and my opt-in numbers up for each category. And I analyzed that and saw that, hey, the, the most popular category for me was how to build an email list. Like that's the thing people had opted in for the most and I'd got the most traffic to it. So if the most popular topic that people want to know about is how to build an email list and I want to build a product, the topic of the product should probably be how to build an email list. So at that point, I had the topic. Now it's how do I know what to actually create? Because I could create an app, I could create a course, I could write a book, I could do any number of things. Um, So I wrote out two or three different product hypotheses. And this is just, I mean, that's a fancy way of saying it. It's just a two or three paragraph uh, description of what the product is. So like, all right, so for me it was, I think I might want to create a course. Like my gut was telling me a course would do well uh, because I write really in-depth how-to type of marketing material. So maybe uh, a series of those put into a course type of format would work well. So I wrote it just a, a, I think it wound up being like a one and a half page description of what that product would be. Uh, and would say, hey, I think I want to build a course that would take you from zero subscribers to 10,000 subscribers and then would show you what to do when you got there and take you by the hand and step by step. Just a very, I mean, it took me 30 minutes to throw it down on paper. Mm-hmm. And I did that for two other topics as well. And then I just spent a day asking myself a series of questions about the about each one of those product hypotheses. Uh, would this be something that my audience would be interested in? Like, I know my audience, you know your audience better than anybody. So is this something that they would be interested in? The second question was, is this something you could actually execute well? Like, could you actually help people do that or not? Like me with apps, I mean, I've done it before, but I can't build lead pages. I can't build Sumo Me. Like, I know I don't have that skill set yet. I would like to get it one day. That's something I would love to do. But right now, probably not. Like, it would probably be a janky product. The third thing is, could you make money from it? Like, is this something that you could envision yourself making money from? And would you have fun in the process of doing this? Like, Mm -hmm. is this something you would enjoy? So can you serve people well? Can you make money from it? Is this something you would enjoy? And for me, the answer to those three questions came down on the course. Uh, So I took that product hypothesis of this course, which is just a one-page Google Doc describing what this course would be. And I created a little segment of my email list. So I just got 50 people from my email list. And I made these 50 people, people that had already raised their hand and said they were interested in the topic of list building. Um, So these were people that had opted into a content upgrade of some sort, or maybe they just read an email about email list building, but people that were somewhat interested in that topic recently. Mm -hmm. And I sent them an email, and it was an incredibly simple email. And we can include the swipe files for all this stuff in the in the show notes and everything, if you'd like. That'd be awesome. You can actually see this, and you can just take this. Like, there's been a lot of people that have just taken this similar model, which is stuff I've just compiled from a bunch of other people, um, and, and implemented themselves and had good results. So the first email I sent was just a, a two-line email in Gmail. So all this is not automated. This is all manual through Gmail. And I just said, uh, I'm working on a new product. I'm working on a new project. I would love to get your feedback on it. Are you interested? Question mark. So I sent that to 50 people, around 35-ish responded back and said yes. So with those 35 people, I sent them an email and said, hey, thanks a ton for helping me out. It means a lot. Uh, I got two things I need you to do. Number one, would you please go read this description of the thing I'm thinking about building? So I just linked them straight to that Google Doc and just had them go read the product 
uh, description hypothesis thing I'd, I'd created. And the second thing I had them do uh, was to fill out a short survey. And the survey, in the email it says, um, I guess, read this product description, number one. And then two, can you give me your opinion on what you think about it? And that link there just sent them to a Google form that asked them a couple questions. Number one is, what's your name? What's your email? Uh, mm-hmm. Third question was, do you want to buy it or not? Which is a pretty key question. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then the other four or five questions were, you know, what did you like the most about it? Uh, if you could add one thing to the course, what would it be? Great question. And I forget what the other ones were. I think, like, did you have any questions? What's some generic feedback you have? I don't know. Therefore, well, we can link that up too where you can, I can actually read that survey. But the key, the key question, the most important question is, will you buy it or not? So out of those 35 buyers for me, around 15 people said they would buy it. So immediately, as soon as they filled out yes, I got a little Google alert to my email that said they had filled out the survey, mm-hmm. said they had said yes, and I sent them an email back manually through Gmail, no automated stuff. Make it really, really simple on yourself. Because uh, this process is, is just as important as the result you're going after. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I sent them an email back and said, first of all, thank you a ton for taking the time to fill this out and to read all that. Uh, second, uh, first is to thank them. Second is to acknowledge the feedback and the questions they gave you. So if people said, man, I love the course, but what I'd really like is a Facebook community to go along with it. I'd respond back, thank you for filling out the survey. Oh, that's a great idea. I didn't even think about a Facebook community. Like, and I didn't. The first version, there was nothing about community at all. And the number one thing people were asked for was, can we have a community so we can get together and talk with other people? Mm-hmm. So I said, absolutely. Like, we added that already. And I went back to that product description and added in a little paragraph about the Facebook community. And then added that in. And then at the, at the, the third part, so the first part is to thank them. Second part is acknowledge their feedback, answer any questions they ask in that form. And the third part is to ask them to buy. <laughs> to ask them, you said yes, you would buy. So, okay, here's a way to buy. And I would give them a pre-order page where they could pay a discounted rate for the product. Uh, and I kind of made it appealing for them. So it'd be something I framed it as, uh, you know, you can get a pre-order version of the product. It's going to be a few months. I don't have an exact delivery date. I'm kind of estimating three-ish months, uh, but I'll keep you in the loop on that. But you'll be a part of the creation process of this product. Like you can get feedback. You can see early versions of the product and you can be a part of it. And you'll get a monetary discount. You can be a part of the pilot program of it. Uh, I'd love to have you in. Here's a link to buy. Your goal of this whole process is to get 10% of those people to buy from you. So if you send out 50 emails, it's to get five of those people to buy. Mm -hmm. And I do three different rounds of this. So I'll do a group of 50, another group of 50, and then I think I did a group of 100. I just wanted a a larger sample size. Uh, And that group of 100 uh, weren't people, uh, was just kind of a broad sampling of the list. It wasn't people that had expressed interest in email list building in the past. Mm-hmm. But the interesting thing is, through this process, every time somebody asks a question, you go back to that little product hypothesis page and you either add it in the frequently asked questions section or you build it back into the product description itself. Anytime somebody asks for a, yeah, a feature great. request, if you decide you want it, you go describe it in there, use their words they used. It's, it's like a copywriting goldmine. You just take exactly what they say, <laughs> put it in that product description, and you create this sales letter uh, from their own words, which is incredibly effective. Um, so that that's the validation phase. Uh, once you get 10% of those people to pre-order from you, I, I'll do this in three rounds. So you want 10% each time. And if you don't get 10%, if you get 8%, like, I mean, use your gut. You can, you don't, doesn't have to be the 10% number. But if you get 2%, like you got some problem with the product. Uh, now, mm-hmm. one kind of word of warning, if you have a really high-end price, like if you're trying to pre-sell it for $2,000, you're not going to get 10% of the people to buy from you. Um, so, so you know, what price range that, are we talking about? 
Yeah, I found in the fifty to five hundred price, five hundred dollar price range, you can get around ten percent. Okay. The higher you get, kind of the the lower below ten percent. But what I, what I found, this is really interesting. I've done this on two different products now. My latest my latest product, I pre sold it for four hundred dollars. Well, had a ninety nine dollar version, and every time I do a validation round, I'd increase the price to see if that increased people's willingness to buy. Uh, and this product resonated with. I did my homework well enough by analyzing, finding the topic they wanted, finding the type of product they wanted to fill that need, uh, that 22% of people pre-bought the product at a $500 price point. So the the indication, you just want to be around that 10% number. um, But if you hit the sweet spot with your list by doing this homework, if you just go back and spend the time, it's kind of like painting. Like the fun part of painting is painting the walls. The really crappy part about it is like taping off and holding and painting it with a brush. Like all of what we've described in the first... 30 minutes of talking is that. Like, it's the crappy part. The part nobody sees, the part that doesn't make a sexy headline mm-hmm, at all. Mm-hmm. It's just the, the grunt work. But it makes all the difference in the world when you get to the third phase of launching the product. So you want to be around 10%. The higher your price, the lower you can get on that. Uh, but you sh- you'll know it when you hit it. You'll see the response of people. And you should see that response increase as you do the different validation rounds because that product description gets better and better. And right, right. pain points that they're having... Uh, so that's the that's the validation phase. The creation phase is easy at that point. You just go build what you told them you'd build. Can I ask you two questions in regards yeah, yeah. to validation? First one being, how much time after you get that alert that the, they fill out that survey, they say they're going to buy, do you go back to them and say, hey, okay, here's the here's the page where you can buy? Because I would feel like, I don't know if it's just me maybe, but if it, it, it almost seems kind of bait and switchy. It, or it could be come across, come across that way. Like as soon as you get a survey res, uh, response, you say, oh, actually, I do have a sales page for this. And I know I said initially, I was just kind of just thinking about it or working on it. Like how do you balance that and in, in, in being honest and having other people say, oh, well, you were just trying to get me to buy the whole time? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. So the, the, the key is just to be honest, honestly. Yeah, um, so absolutely. it's all about how you frame that to them. So I, I didn't respond immediately. Um, I, I did a validation around a week. So I'll send an emails out on Monday. And then, you know, my whole life isn't centered around responding to the survey. So it would usually take me a couple <laughs> of days to get back to responding to everybody. I would try to prioritize the people that said yes. The interesting thing about those surveys is it can be really confusing because people ask for a lot of stuff. And 90% of it you need to ignore. Yep. Anybody that said no, you need to ignore completely unless everybody that filled out your survey said no, then you need to analyze your product a little better. Um, but I mainly paid attention to the people that said yes. And I was just completely transparent and honest with them. That, that thanking them for, for doing it is incredibly important. The answering their questions, acknowledging them is important. And then inviting them to help you do something. Because that was the original thing you asked them to do is, hey, would you, would you give me some feedback? Would you help me? I'm working on this new product. Um, you've told them that you're working on a product. You've told them that you want your feedback on it. A natural response to somebody when they say, yes, I would like to buy it, should be giving them a way to join. And you're actually not taking their money right away. On a pre-order, you don't actually charge them until the product releases. So you're not taking money from them. But I have found that people that only half of the people that say, yes, they'll buy, will actually buy the product. Mm-hmm. So of those 15 or 16 people that said yes in that very first round, only six or seven of them actually paid money at the end of the day. So if people aren't entering their card number into a system, I found it's really hard to actually trust the results you're getting. And you're framing it to them as something you, they're, you're telling them that it's not out yet. They know there is a participatory process, which I have found people really enjoy. Uh, through doing this on 
six different rounds of validation through two different products. I've never got a single complaint from somebody due to just being honest with them, being out front. Don't be a sleazy internet marketer. Like, don't ever come from that angle. Yeah. Be honest, be transparent, and people really appreciate that. Appreciate that. And those are my best customers I've ever had in the program. They're people that like me, that enjoy, that want to be attached to it, that want to help promote it. And you're just giving them an avenue to do that. Love that. I, I absolutely love that. And you answer one of my other questions, which is what do you do if you don't get any anybody interested in your product and well, you have to reassess what your product is. But yeah, yeah. then I have a follow-up question. You had mentioned pre-orders and being able to capture, are you capturing payment information up front? You're just not charging them similar to like a Kickstarter campaign? Yeah, it's kind of like Kickstarter. So you can use one of the easiest ways to do this is through Gumroad. Gumroad.com, you can have your product thing set up in, in a minute or two. Yeah, it's really I love easy. Gumroad. I use that. Yeah, they're great. They, it looks really nice. It's really slick. It's really simple. You can integrate it with Stripe, uh, which sets up really quickly. Uh, anyway, actually, no, I don't think you can actually can integrate no, with Stripe. No, it, it's the their own payment thing. processing. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so, but anyway, they have a feature in there called a pre-order, uh, which when you set the product up, you set the pre-order date. So if you don't know what the pre-order date is, just set it out six months in advance and tell your people, hey, this is kind of what I'm thinking. Be transparent with them so they're not sitting there waiting for something you promised them. Set the thing six months in advance. Uh, and then when people enter their payment information, they're told, hey, this product is due to release on this date and there nothing will be charged until that date happens. And you can even, if you get to that date and it's not ready yet, tell your pre-order people about that and then move the date forward so it doesn't charge. But when that date comes, their card will be charged. But nothing is processed until that pre-order date happens. Got but it. the key is through that process not to take their money and disappear. The key is to give them, I would suggest, weekly updates on what you're doing. And remember, these aren't, these aren't people that are buying a finished, polished product. These are people that are buying the process. Mm -hmm. So give them the process. Like tell them, hey, my goal for this week, number one goal for this week with the product is to pick the name. <laughs> and like make it a fun process for them. Come up with three names and put it to vote. Like have people respond back. Make it, a, make it something they're actively involved That's with. Cool. Your next week is, hey, I'm coming up with a table of contents this week. So this is kind of what I'm thinking. Let me know what you think and send them an email out and tell them about it. People will, those will be the best customers you ever have if you do that. And just, I mean, spend 30 minutes once a week writing an email to them and that kind of holds you accountable and gives you a little positive pressure to keep the wheel spinning, which when you get in, anybody that's been in the creation process knows it's, it's really, really easy to procrastinate mm -hmm. on each step mm -hmm. and make it, make a, a three-week project turn into a three-month or six-month project. So that can kind of help you overcome that if you use it correctly. I love that. I had I was listening to a podcast episode. It was uh, Rainmaker.fm, and Brian Clark was interviewing Ryan Dice, and he was talking about how content marketing, it's, it's, it's kind of shifting into this thing where products that you're selling become a part of the experience overall of the brand. It's not just like, here's your store and you have to buy this stuff. It's actually the content is all mixed in together with everything else that's going on. And it seems like it's the same way here. And a good analogy that Ryan used was it's sort of like, you know, you go to you go to Disneyland and you pay to go and ha have fun on the rides, but then they get you after that experience in the gift shops. And people are just after they've had that great experience with you are there and they're buying things. And so that's what, I, I think he called it native, com native commerce or native e-commerce or uh, is what it was called. And it just seems like we're, you're providing this experience and you had talked about, you know, the process and you're giving people an experience with your brand. You're not just building a list and selling them stuff. You're actually taking people through a journey with you and that gets them more amped up and more involved and more supportive of what, whatever it is that you're doing. They get to be a part of the story and every, like that's why people go to Disney World because they want to see Mickey and Minnie. Like they've watched the movies, they've read books, they've bought apparel, but they want to see them. Like they want to be a part of what's going on mm -hmm. and giving people a way to participate in the story 
is really fun. Like one of the most effective things I did when I was launching my product, well, I did a list building challenge in the middle of the launch. So we did like a 10-day open, kind of an open enrollment, kind of like a college class where you have a spring and fall enrollment. That's what I did with the course. So during the spring enrollment, we did this list building challenge where I had people pick a random topic. So we posed two or three topics. One of them was like paddle boarding for pregnant women and uh, hammocking in Nashville. And I just had the audience like vote via comments on which one do you want me to pick? And the, whichever one you pick, I'm going to build a list on that topic and launch a product in 48 hours. And I just talked about the whole process through those two days. And that was the number one reason. We sent out a survey after uh, people had bought and asked them, you know, what was the number one influence on you buying? And that list building challenge was the number one influence because it was a process they participated in. Like they they were a part of the story that was going on and it made them feel like that was something they could do, which is mm-hmm. when you get into the third phase of launching the product, there's two things you have to do when you're launching. If you've done all this other stuff correctly, you still have to be strategic when you're presenting the project and launching the product to your audience. And the two things you have to do in that pre-launch period before you send them a link to buy is make it incredibly urgent for them to buy. Like, if you think of like when you get a speck of of dust in your eye or something, like there's no really option on waiting. Like you're getting up and running to the sink to wash it out. That's what you have to do in the pre-launch piece. You have to make it something that's urgent to them. And most every topic that exists, take like marriage counseling, for example. If you're a marriage counselor, that's that's kind of a hard product to sell. (laughs) Like who wants to voluntarily pay money to unpack their baggage and cry every other week? (laughs) that's, That's not easy to do. But a proper pre-launch, which can happen online or offline, like this can happen, these principles happen everywhere, will take marriage counseling from about the 800th most important thing on your to-do list to your top 10. Mm -hmm. So your top 10 is the area when you're doing your launch, the top 10 things on my to-do list get done every day. That's stuff like like feed the dog, go to work, uh, like eat food. You have to get your buying your product and not buying your product actually, but, but solving the problem that your product solves in that top 10 list. And the way you do that is by structuring that launch process properly. Um, but you have to use that pre-launch sequence to do that and making it something that's incredibly urgent and also something that makes them, that increases their confidence that they can do it. So make it urgent and make them confident that they can follow that path. So like if you're listening to this call and and you're seeing, okay, I can see how I get 100 and I can see how I get 1,000 then I can make my first product and then I could, maybe I can see how I launch it. I don't know. I haven't talked about that yet. Like then I've done a good enough job of making you feel comfortable mm-hmm. and you feel confident that you can actually do that. Now, the other part of getting you to buy is increasing the urgency for you to buy, which those two things have to happen together. But they're key to actually getting people to move because most people want to fix whatever problem. Like I want to take better photographs, but I've never bought a course, never been to a class, never bought a good camera. But on my list of things to do, like that's, that's like, I'd like to have good pictures of my kid. I mean, he's like nine weeks old. Like I'd like to have good <laughs> pictures, but it's, it hasn't risen to the level of importance enough for me to take action on it. So increasing urgency and increasing the confidence that they can actually do it are the keys to actually selling. Let's finish up by talking about the launch sequence. So yeah. we don't, we can probably skip over, over the building part and what the course is like right now. Cause that's, Pretty self-explanatory. You obviously have to make it usable and actually have it generate results for your audience as well. Navigation, all that sort of stuff. We could probably talk another hour about that alone. But let's talk about launching this thing. So how do we best launch when you've built this list through the emails and built interest? You've validated the product. You've pre-ordered. You've collected pre-orders. How do you build that buzz and launch the crap out of it? So now you're ready to actually sell something. Um, I... All of this little framework we're going over stuff I just have experimented with and learned from a lot of people that are a whole lot smarter than me. Uh, So through testing out the sales process, I have found a three-part formula 
uh, that works really, really well. Uh, so I used it when I launched my course back in May, mm-hmm. and it did almost a quarter million dollars in sales by using this formula. So, and nothing, nothing for my efforts, but just taking a formula that works and installing it for me. So if you don't get anything else out, get this part out when you're selling anything. Um, there's three things you need to do to increase that urgency and increase their confidence. So the three-part formula is problem, agitate, and solve. So let's take the marriage counseling thing, for example, because that's a completely off-the-wall thing that would, would is honestly hard to sell. So if you're a marriage counselor, just Google right now marriage counseling and see what pops up. And you'll get a lot of ads that's marriage counsel consulting, list of marriage counselors. It's a lot of people selling marriage counseling, which is the absolute worst thing to sell. What you want to sell is a better marriage. So if you think about the problem agitate solve model, the first thing you want to do, and let's take an email sequence because this is the form that we generally sell in online. You'll send a three-part video series you've seen before, Mm -hmm. email sequence or whatever that is. This happens on webinars as well. The first thing you want to do is identify, to remind the, the subscriber that they have a problem. So visualize this scale, this list of to-dos, which we just talked about. And in that top 10 are, are, is the action zone. So that's where everybody actually does those things every day. And then everything below 10, so like 10 through 900 on your list, is the procrastination zone. So the, the, the goal of this pre-launch series is to get your solving your problem out of that bottom 900 and into the top 10. So the first thing you have to do to do that is to describe the problem to them. So if you're a marriage counselor, what's the problem that people have with their marriages? Nobody wakes up in the morning thinking, I want to go hire a marriage counselor. What they think, though, is I want to have a better relationship with my wife. I want to not fight about money every time we talk talk about it. I want to actually be able to communicate to my wife without fighting with her. Now, me and my wife, we actually do see a marriage counselor once a month, which I think if you're married, go do that. Really, really smart. Best thing we've ever done for our marriage. But like, let's, those are the two and, and having a better relationship in quotes. I know we have a younger audience uh, here, but like, that's the third thing. Like, those are the three things you have problem with in marriage. So if you're a marriage counselor, what you want to do in that first email is to describe that problem. Tell a story about how Johnny came home and his wife came home complaining about something about work or the husband came home complaining about something about work and they had a big fight. And then Johnny went to check the bank account and there was no money in there. So he prints out 15 spreadsheets and takes them to his wife and shows her. And she gets mad because he feels like he's grilling her. And, you know, I'm not your coach. I'm your partner. And just describe that situation that every married couple has been in of fighting about um, their sexual relationship, about money, or about just not being able to communicate at all. Describe those pain points. If you're a photographer, describe the pain points of taking blurry iPhone pictures, of not being able to look back and see your kid when he was eight weeks old because you didn't take the time to take proper pictures of him or your pictures aren't good enough to actually print out. Like whatever your thing, whatever the problem your product solves is, that's what you want to touch on in that first email, that first course. You're telling a story. Telling the story of how somebody had that problem. And take one, like don't make up a story. Ideally, take your own story if you need to, which is what I did in my launch, Mm -hmm. or take one of your reader's story and tell that. But make sure you touch on those pain points. So that gets it from like number 900 to about number 500. So it's rising up the level of importance. Now it's like, oh yeah, crap. I, man, I was fighting my wife yesterday and the money thing. Like, I, like the, the responses you get back from that email should be th- like, did you read my mail? Like, are you, right. are you, like, do you know what's going on? Like they, you should tell a personal story so much that it resonates with that audience. The second email is to agitate the problem. So now they remember they have a piece of, of dirt in their eye. Now you need to get that dirt in their eye 
where it's so important, it hurts so much that they have to jump up and go do something about it. And you do that, I have found one, one effective way, and I learned this from Derek Halpern, one effective way to agitate that is by telling them what not to do. Don't, don't tell them what to do yet, but describe the problem in the first part of your email. So paint the picture again. Again, this would be stuff that just relates to them. This is a relationship building. This is uh, bringing up the urgency, bringing up the confidence. Redescribe that story again. Right, we're not selling and, anything yet. Not selling anything at all. And this is hard. Like this whole sequence was hard for me to write because I, like, I, I have a very high fluff meter. Like when you have people that post <laughs> pictures of rainbows and inspirational quotes, like I kind of throw up in my mouth a little bit. Although all that <laughs> stuff's incredibly important, but I've taken such the opposite approach in what I do of extremely detailed step one through 1,000 of what to do that like I, I just, honestly, I don't even know how to write inspirationally a lot of times. So this this framework was really hard for me to implement and took a lot of just just busting it out and actually doing it. Because, but this, people buy from emotions, not from logic. And this series can be used in a great way to get people to take action on things in their life that they need to take action on. Like most, mar- most every married couple needs marriage counseling. Their, their relationships will be better. Their kids will be better. Their parenting will be better if they had marriage counseling. So if you mm-hmm. use this correctly, you'll get people that are about to get divorced or are headed for that to actually go get marriage counseling. That's the great part of it. But you have to use that emotional side of it. And we'll get to logic in a minute. You have to use that emotional side in the, in the first part to make it urgent for them. So agitate, r- recap the story, and then tell them what not to do. So if you're in marriage counseling, tell them, you know, what you don't want to do when your bank account is really low is print out 17 spreadsheets and go have a budgeting summit with your wife for 17 hours and go line by line and grill her on everything that she spent for the last two months because she'll feel like you're trying to be a parent to her. Don't do that. That's stupid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then go through like, what are the other things you shouldn't do? Come up with the mistakes to avoid, the things not to do. And you can throw in small solutions, but don't go into much solving the solutions at all. You just want to agitate that where when they see that mistake, they're like, oh man, I did that last week. I, I know I can't do that. And then at the end of that email, tell them, hey, tomorrow I'm going to give you a little solu- one small solution you can implement immediately to make your marriage better. So that's Monday is your problem email. Wednesday is your agitation email. And by that point, that, that solution to that problem should be in the top 20 of the to-do list. So it may mm-hmm. be not quite in that action zone yet, but it's, re- it's risen from 900 to 20. It's getting really high up there. And again, the, the responses to the agitate email, you should get a lot of responses of people that are really resonating with that message. That's where you know you've done a good job of that. And I'll share um, all the scripts I use and emails I send. I sent almost 30,000 words throughout my launch. And you can just have all those emails and model them uh, if you'd like to see this, see an actual example of this. Awesome. So the third part is to solve the problem. So now you're on Friday. Monday, you, you presented the problem. Wednesday, you agitated it. Friday, now you want to give them a small solution to their problem. You want to relieve the pain just a little bit. And what this does is show them that you're able to relieve their pain. So an example of this would be for marriage counseling. I love that example for some reason. Um, would be on Friday, okay, we've talked about what not to do. We've talked about the problems you're having. We all know we could have better marriages. So just forget all that stuff. What I want you to do today is one little exercise. I want you to, today when your husband comes home, and he's complaining about his boss and going on and on and on and on. I want you to, instead of trying to fix his problems like you always do, or usually it's the guy trying to fix the girl's problems. Right. Like we, we're always fixers. Like, like don't do that. Like don't respond with three steps of what she needs to do. Instead, respond with this. So, and you just list out the script that I'm about to say. And just say this verbatim. <laughs> say, let her finish her, let her finish her talking. And then say, 
What I heard you say was, and then repeat back to her in your own words, the problem that she just presented to you. That's called reflective listening. Okay. And don't offer a solution. So just summon up the self-control not to offer a solution for one time in your life and instead respond with this self this uh, reflective listening exercise and just repeat back to them. And what that's going to do for her is make her feel heard, make her feel loved. And it's potentially opening up a door where she's going to ask you, okay, what would you do, Brian? And then once she's asked you for a solution, then and only then give her a solution. But most of the time, don't. Like, keep listening. Right, right. So that's the reflective listening exercise. So it's like a small win that you're giving to them win. to you get some sort of result. Something they can do in less than 30 minutes. Like, don't tell me to go write a 10,000-word blog post. Like, give me a small win I can do. Mm-hmm. What that does, and, and tell them as soon as you do that, run back to your email, hit reply, and tell me how it went. So you get, some, you get some action going on there and you get them sharing with you what's going on. You get them trusting in you that you've, you can provide a little relief to their pain. Mm-hmm. So now you've elevated this problem. It's in the top 10 list. You've given them a solution to the problem. Now on Monday, all you have to do is tell them, hey, you know how last week we talked about the problems you were having in marriage and the money and the sex and the communication and how that was a problem. Like, and then Friday, you use the reflective listening exercise and it worked well. I have a product called whatever you want to call the product. And I have 72 other methods for having a better marriage, of how to communicate better, how to and go down the list of benefits that you provide and how to do that. You want to join? And at that point, you're not selling marriage, marriage counseling. You're selling a completely different life. Right. <laughs> You've shown them that you can provide the solution. You've agitated it where it's really important. Now they're thinking, man, like if I don't solve this money problem we're having and the fact that we can't talk about money at all, like I, I'm probably getting a divorce. And you painted that picture for them. And they see the negative result, but they also see what success looks like in that there's this, there's is a marriage I can have. Like you show them Michael Hyatt of the world, who's a business owner and has a great marriage and has great kids. And you paint that picture for them as well of you don't have to go down the divorce route. You can have a great marriage and a great business at the same time. Here's a way you can do it. Implement these 72 strategies and you'll be good to go. And then send them a link to buy your product. Like, and at that point, they are primed and ready to buy. And that's something that, that the speck in their eye has been agitated so much that they have to have a better marriage. They see that negative result and you've given them an easy solution and you're a proven authority that can fix that solution because you've helped them a little bit already. Love it. Love it. In terms of length of time from the beginning of our talk here, we've been talking for an hour, um, but not that's, that's not what I meant. But in terms of the situation of building an email list from scratch and to this point when, we're, when you're selling something, how long would a normal person expect to take to get to that point? I know it's going to vary and things like that, but on average. Yeah. yeah, so some rules of thumb. You can get to 1,000 if you really hustle in 90 days. A lot of people take a lot longer. A lot of people take a lot shorter. Uh, there was a guy who um, did three marketing giveaways and built a list of 1,200 subscribers in 30 days. So like, it depends on your aggressive level and your skill level and what your past is. So get to 1,000 within about 90 days. And I suggest the first product you build isn't some massive signature product. Build a small thing. Build a small product. Write a 20-page ebook. Create a five-video course. Do something that's easily consumable and you can create within two to three weeks. And then do the launch sequence to that. So that's what I would suggest. You can create that product in a two, three-week period. So within 120 to 150 days of this podcast, you can have an audience of 1,000 people. You can validate and create a product to them, and you can launch that to them. And kind of like one thing that always intrigued me when I was in the early stages was like, what kind of revenue can I make? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. all right, I built a list of 1,000 people. Like, I don't even know. What, what does that mean? So a couple, a couple kind of uh, benchmarks for you. John Meese built a list of 350 people and launched over, did just over $10,000 in sales. 
another video for reader, Catherine Lowry, I think is her name. I never can remember her last name. She just launched a um, journaling. Uh, it's called the Self Journal. I think it's bestself.co. I think it's a link. We'll include it in the show notes so you can check it out. She built a list of 2,000 subscribers in about a 60-day period and launched this on Kickstarter and did $28,000 in 28 hours. Uh, I launched my first product, which was a coaching program with 1,200 subscribers and charged $100 an hour for it. So this wasn't even a product I had to create. Like this is a great way to start depending on your exact topic, if it's coachable, coachable type of product or not, or topic at all. But I launched with 1,200 subscribers and sold out the coaching program at $100 an hour in two hours. Mm -hmm. So there's a kind of some benchmarks for you. Like you can see some really large revenue numbers from a list of 1,000 subscribers. You can do you can do two thousand to ten thousand to twenty to thirty thousand dollars in sales from a list of a thousand, depending on your topic and how focused you are from the very beginning. But that'll kind of give you some examples of what to of what you could potentially expect. So yeah, that that helped me in the beginning. I would go through. I went through. I remember going through Jeff Walker's book Launch and kind of cataloging all the examples he wrote in there and looking at people like you and David Simon Garland. And every time you all talk about examples of people that had a certain list size and a certain revenue number, I'd write them down just as a benchmark for myself so I could expect, I can know what to expect. Uh, and I, I built a little calculator too. If you go to listgoal.com, there's a little calculator there, a little slider where mm -hmm. you can select how many subscribers you have and it'll give you a projected revenue number per month for those subscribers. Uh, and listgoal, It'll help you build your email list, which is a different topic. But uh, by staying, by helping you pick a goal for the next sixty days, stay focused on it every single day, and then give you coaching tips uh, to do that. So it's a cool little app. It's free. Let's cool. go.com. It has a little calculator built into it as well, so you can get some projected revenue numbers from once you spend these ninety days killing yourself to get to a thousand <laughs> subscribers. Like, what are the stinking results? Because you know, there's a lot of other things I could do with those ninety days. Yeah. Brian, man, this has been awesome and epic, and I've just kind of let you talk the whole time, and you <laughs> definitely delivered, over-delivered. Thank you so much for for coming on here. This is going to be very inspirational for a lot of people, a lot of actionable advice, which are types of shows that people love. So, you know, where can people find out more information about you and, and the things that, uh, that you have to offer? Yeah, you can go to videofruit.com slash pat, and I'll put a bunch of bonuses on that page that you can get for free. We'll put a link to Lisco, all the swipe file, all that stuff where you can jump over and grab that. And I'd like to do something, Pat. I don't, I don't know if you're, we didn't, I should have probably asked you about this. And that's okay. I love talk. surprises. But I would love to take one person from the audience and personally coach them through this process of picking their topic, getting to a thousand, creating their first product and launching that product. Okay. And so, Go to the go to the um, the page where this podcast is posted on Pat's site, and leave a comment, and tell me what your niche is. Like, what is the topic you want to build your list around? And we'll filter through those responses. We'll pick one person, and I'll personally get on Skype with you at least once a month. I'll create a personal roadmap for you to follow kind of taking the principles we've outlined, the framework we've outlined, and give you very specific things to do to do that. You have to be some of this executing. You can't be some of this starts down this road and 30 days later gets sidetracked and cuts off. But I want to take one person through this process for you community. And maybe if, if that goes well, we can report back on the results and kind of show, you know, if you take action, you will absolutely see results. And kind of tell the story of that person, how they went from listening to this episode to launching a product that did you know, that kind of changed their life and changed the way they looked at business and the way they approached business and they felt that success. Yeah, let me add on to that. So this person who, who we choose and we'll, we'll figure out how to choose it later, maybe it just is at random, but uh, so go to smartpassiveincome.com slash session 190 for episode 190 and we'll pick somebody and that person will hopefully implement the strategies and work with you, Brian, and then we will 
or I will invite that person on the podcast as well some point in the future to talk about the okay. process, whether it's win or fail. And I'll feature you to my 20,000 plus email subscriber list. So if you want, if you want a way to jumpstart your list, like get working and I'll pimp you out everywhere. Wow. <laughs> like I'll, t- I'll tell everybody about you. Poster I, boys. And me and Pat both want to share success stories. And the best success story is somebody that listened to this podcast, executed and got results. So we will boost you. We will hold you on our shoulders and help you spread your message. So I'd love to help with that. So leave the niche, the topic that you're interested in building a list on in the comment section. Me and Pat will kind of work through those, pick one person and personally work with you. On now, that. is this only people who are just, just starting out who, who have not created any web properties yet? Or are these people who also, maybe they already have something and they want to increase their email list? If somebody in the beginning phases, I mean, you could have a, a list of a small size, but I'd love to get a beginner. Yeah. I'd love to get okay. somebody who's just starting out. Yeah, um, perfect. Because those are the people that, if you haven't felt that momentum, it, it's, let me tell you, when you, if you send that first email launching your product and you sell three copies, the other day, <laughs> the other day, I set up some Facebook ads for the first time. I've just been curious. So I'm always doing experiments and reporting results. So I set up a Facebook ad, created a $7 product, which is a one page PDF checklist and sold a copy last Saturday. And I was like, it's crazy the euphoria and the excitement you get when somebody you don't know buys something from you or you just create something and share it with the world and they get a benefit from it. Like it is, it just changes you and changes the way you think about business and do business and serve other people. So I I would love for somebody else to experience that, even if it's on a small scale, but I'd love to work with you personally and, and help you do that on a large scale. Cool. So smartpassiveincome.com slash session 190. And again, videofruit.com slash Pat. Brian, thank you so much for coming on and uh, delivering the goods. Absolutely. Thanks, Pat. All right. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Brian Harris from videofruit.com. And actually, if you go to videofruit.com slash Pat, you'll get access to his bonus materials that relate to this particular episode. So his list building checklist, an online course tool guide, online course creator's manual, and a product launch playbook. You can check it out again at videofruit.com slash Pat. Brian, thank you so much for your time and your wisdom and everything you shared today. This is one of those episodes that I know people are gonna listen to again and again. And of course, we have the transcript available, all of the resources and the links mentioned in this episode at the show notes over on the blog at smartpassiveincome.com slash session 190. So again, smartpassiveincome.com slash session 190. And uh, go over there, leave a comment, let me know what you think. And I would love to hear your feedback and I'm sure Brian would too. So all the links, again, smartpassiveincome.com slash session 190. Hey, really quick, I wanna let you know about a page on the website that might be really helpful for you. A lot of you are already taking action on what you've heard on the podcast, which is fantastic, but a lot of you have also messaged me asking for more, deeper information, more fine-tuned and highly targeted information for specific problems and pains that you might be having. So what I did was I actually put together a few courses. There's more courses actually coming down the road, uh, but you could check out all the courses and things that are available to you there at smartpassiveincome.com slash courses. My team and I have worked really hard to put together the best information that'll help you solve specific problems that you might be having in your business. So if you're just starting out and you need help and you need accountability, handholding, you want a community behind this as well, Check it out, smartpassiveincome.com slash courses. You can see what's available there. All different kinds of courses to help you through a number of different things you might be working on. And like I said, there are more courses coming down the road too. So one more time, smartpassiveincome.com slash courses. Thank you so much, I appreciate you. And I really look forward to next week's episode. I hope you'll join me because we're gonna do something that I haven't done before. And you'll actually get to listen in on a call where I was doing some coaching with somebody who was needing some help with his product launch. So we are actually going to go right into a live call 
not live, of course, because it's recorded, but it's actually a recording of a coaching call that I had. Somebody who had reached out to me, asked for some help, and uh, I recorded it, and he agreed to have it be played, and you'll be able to hear how I give this person advice, how we work through some of the ins and outs of his business and what he was going through, and I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. So go ahead and check it out in episode 191 next week. Until then, again, the show notes for this episode are at smartpassiveincome.com slash session 190, and Brian's free materials are at videofruit.com slash pat. Thanks so much, and if you have a second, if you enjoyed this episode, please head on over to iTunes and leave a review. They do help with the show a lot. They help make people who are kind of on the fence uh, after finding the description or the podcast in iTunes and, and really helps them to click play, and hopefully you know that this is great and you want others to realize the same thing. Please leave an honest rating and review on iTunes. I will be forever thankful, and I uh, look forward to serving you in the next episode. Cheers, thanks so much, and I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Smart Passive Income Podcast at www.smartpassiveincome.com. So podcasting is obviously a big deal here at SPI. And today, I'm so excited to tell you about our newest podcast. Yes, a brand new podcast called Flops. Flops is all about exploring, celebrating, and normalizing failure in the entrepreneurial journey. Every entrepreneur experiences failure at some point, so I love that we're just facing it head on here. And the show is hosted by two members of the team, Karen and Ray, and in it, they talk to entrepreneurs who have had stumbles, setbacks, and flat-out failures. These guests are honest and generous with their stories, and I think they offer hope and encouragement for all other entrepreneurs out there because we all experience it, right? We all experience failure. For example, in the first episode, Ray talks to John who got caught up in a Ponzi scheme. It's a story with twists and turns that will keep you hooked. It's a great story. I highly recommend you check it out. But one thing I love about Flops is that it doesn't dwell on the failure and it always finds a bright side. I really love it and I think you will too. So the first season of Flops has already started with new episodes dropping on Wednesdays. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also listen at smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. Again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. I hope you enjoy it.